Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? Yeah, you got King with the whoosh, and then you got Zoro with the... Yeah, and I'll tell you what, man, that's what it's all about right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I should just do the entire video like that. We should just dial this back to the Stone Age and just do caveman reactions to One Piece episode 1062 when Zoro fights King. And just like, yes, King, big fireman, lava dragon, Zoro, three sword, cut. Ooh, ugh-like. You know, yeah, okay, listen. I loved the Sanji versus Queen episode. I really did. The animation was, oh, chef's kiss amazing. Now, I didn't make a video about that fight, but I am making a video about this. And honestly, I think it's just because Zoro gets cooler fights than Sanji in the story. But go watch the Sanji versus Queen fight if you haven't. That's incredible. And this is incredible. They're both incredible, all right? Um, but just Zoro, I think, gets cooler fights. Honestly, I think an argument could be made that Zoro gets even cooler fight scenes than Luffy, who's the main character of One Piece, right? And you know what? I actually sat down and I, uh, I formulated a scientific uh, hypothesis. We're going to test this with the scientific method, ladies and gentlemen. Here is my, my hypothesis on why Zoro has the cooler fight scenes than Sanji or Luffy. <clears throat> Zoro uses three swords. How many swords does Sanji use? Gotta say zero. And how many swords does Luffy use? Also zero. That's Zoro has a plus three advantage on this. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a Bleach fan. I love anime characters that use swords. I mean, swords are just inherently cool. And Zoro uses three of them. Maybe that was the marketing strategy when Oda came up with Zoro's character. He's like, all right, we're going to need a really badass anime swordsman in One Piece. Uh, you know what actually would make him cooler? Two swords. Actually, wait. Hold on a minute. Three swords. Wait, maybe four? No, four is just silly. That's ridiculous. Where is he going to hold the fourth sword in his butt cheeks? Let's dial that back. Three swords. He's already three times cooler. That's just how you tell what, how cool an anime swordsman is. Like, by the sheer quantity of number of swords that he uses. That's, that's how it's determined. Um, you know, look at Ichigo in the final arc of Bleach. He gets two swords, and he's twice as cool. That's just how it works. Okay, so... 
Um, this covers the chapters pretty much from when Zoro slices off King's mask all the way up to the finale of the battle, which means we also get uh, King's backstory here. And it's expanded upon a little bit more than in the manga. We don't get a crazy amount more, uh, but we get a little bit more detail on exactly the experimentation that was done to King or Albert while he was at Punk Hazard. Also, we get to see King fight a little bit more in that backstory. So, uh, you know, Kaido can really see what he's made of and how he's like so strong and everything like that and how he gets the name king and all that stuff we, we get that in the manga it's just kind of like much more brief kind of flashback so that was really cool there um you know let, let's talk about let's open this up with a controversial topic which has been controversial pretty much all throughout wano really and it's the um it's the aura it's the aura situation you know like one piece characters now have auras around them look i i, I love the auras i really genuinely do look you cannot look at this scene zoro on top of a giant flaming mountain in the middle of the night with green aura rings surrounding his swords. I'm like, I'm sorry, that's cool as shit. I'm sorry, alright? Also, in terms of, like, if you're wondering, like, maybe, it's like, oh, well, One Piece was never animated like this. We never had these crazy auras for most of the story, and now we're getting to this. Hey, if you want an in-universe explanation for it, and I was even thinking about this while I was watching the episode, because I'm watching this episode, and I'm just sitting there like... Like, like, King is in a Pteranodon form, firing, like, fire bullets at Zoro, and he's dodging. And then there's that scene where King transforms into, like, a Pteranodon, Pteranodon Beyblade. Like, a spinning top of just sheer death buzzsaw through the sky, and Zoro's clashing with that thing. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching this, and I, like... Man, we've come a long way since when Zoro cut down Morgan. <laughs> you know, you know, we've come a long way since uh, Zoro fought against the Nyamban brothers back at Syrup Village, right? It's just, it's just a moment of clarity where we're at episode 1062 of this. You dial this back to the East Blue when Zoro is like, "Oh yeah, the Nyamban brothers. I'll, I'll fight them." Is like, "Oh yeah, this is a little bit of thing." You know, that was level one Zoro. This is like level 95 at this point you know what I mean it really is insanity how long this story has gone it's like when you play Final Fantasy and you start off and you're really wimpy and you have to just fight slimes and then at the end you are literally killing a god except that's a video game that takes you like you know a lot, a lot of time to play Final Fantasy games you know several hours several days of gameplay to get through that but this is a series that's lasted 20 plus years so it's a lot more drawn out and it's a lot more like you see the progression of the Straw Hats in a much more clear way way throughout the story so that's the way i justify the auras it's like we're literally getting to a point now where the straw hats are so damn strong i think some cool battle hockey auras are, are justified here i i think it makes sense i think it's fine all right another series that does that is is pretty famous is dragon ball you know dragon ball starts out with goku you know he's like he's, he uses a kamehameha that can barely destroy a car and at the end he's literally like you literally have god key and super Saiyan God and all this other crazy stuff, Kaioken plus Super Saiyan Blue, all these crazy auras going around. So that's the way I've always viewed it. That's the way I kind of look at it. And I'm fine with these auras. And also, I just love love the animation and the way they're depicted, the way they use the lighting here, where King is constantly basking in the flames that he creates on his back. And so then Zoro has the purple aura that Enma kind of puts out, but then he can kind of switch it up. Then there's like the green aura coming off the rest of his swords. You know, Zoro ha having green aura around his swords, like, 
it just looks cool. I'm sorry. I'm going with it. I'm, I'm, I'm rocking with that 110%, okay? But, you know, at this point, I really want to talk about the flashback uh, because I love that flashback. It was a really cool scene. It was a cool scene in the manga, and I'm glad what they did with it in the anime. Um, so, yeah, the battle was cool with the choreography, but that flashback, right in the middle of the episode, I think they put that flashback at, like, the perfect spot, too. It was right after the eye catch, right after the, um, like, the commercial break, and so you come back, and King is reminiscing about when he first met Kaido. So we see Punk Hazard, the lab. Uh, we don't exactly know how long ago this was. Um, I'm thinking it was, it had to have been more than 20 years ago, because 20 years ago, well, actually, no, it was 28 years ago, I think, when Kaido began uh, setting up his operation in Wano. That was after Odin had left with Whitebeard, and then I think 28 years ago, that's when Higo Arashi Kurozumi approached Kaido and was like, I have a proposition for you! And then Kaido's like, what? And he's like, come to Wano! It's like, alright. And so then he does that, right? So that's why Odin was away, so King, I think, at that point, was already firmly established as Kaido's right-hand man because the parallels and it was you know apparent in the manga but it's even more apparent here the parallels between Kaido and King and Luffy and Zoro cannot be overlooked, alright? King was the first member of Kaido's pirate crew. It was, like, pretty much right after Kaido decided, you know what, I'm thinking about starting my own pirate crew. King, I want you to join, you know? Same thing with Luffy. Luffy decides, I'm gonna start my pirate crew, heads out to sea. One of the first people he hears about from Kobe is like, oh yeah, Roranora Zoro, he's the pirate hunter. He's really powerful. He's like a demon. And Luffy's like, oh, cool, great. First person to be on my crew. I, that's a great first man. I want to have him on there, right? So the, the parallels there are very uh, clear. We see this even more so at Punk Hazard. Had to have been, like, uh, over 30 years ago, I would say. Uh, you know, at this point, you know, King, I believe, is like a teenager at this point. I think he's, like, in his early 40s right now. So that, that probably lines up. And so, anyway, um, Kaido breaks free of the of the shackles he's running around punk hazard the alarms going off and everything like that he's like we got an intruder kaido ate his dinner and now he's breaking free again you know you think at a certain point the government would just try to like like stop trying to go after him like he's literally gotten captured and then you know emptied out the uh, endless buffet on the marine ships and then immediately breaks free and kills a lot of people in the process you think after a certain point the government would just be like all right we're, we're gonna stop trying to even bother with him because he breaks free every time time but anyway Kaido breaks free for like the 17th time or whatever and he's you know going through punk hazard and you actually see the form of torture that is done to King here I think in the manga it was only mentioned but Kaido is walking into the lab where King is prison imprisoned and he is inside of an oven he's like they literally just strapped him chained him down to a damn slab and then shoved him into an oven like a blast furnace, and then just cranked it. And King is in there, like, screaming and, like, struggling with the chains and just, like, like, why are you doing this to me? Let me out of here! I'll burn you all to the ground, you know? And it's like, holy shit! Like, the government's form of, like, endurance test is just like, yeah, crank up the blast furnace we use to, like, superheat steel and then shove the, the prisoner in there and then see how he handles that, right? So Kaido walks in and he hears King screaming and there's this 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 furnace that's active. So, you know, Kaido takes his kanabo and just 
just breaks it and then pulls out King. And, and King is over. Like, he's not really all that physically damaged, not to say that it did not hurt him. It's just, because I, I don't think the uh, the Lunarians are not immune to fire. They are not immune to fire. Um, they can summon fire. Fire is an aspect of their abilities. Uh, King can charge up fire for his blade and everything like that. King cannot breathe fire. Um, we've never really seen him, like, breathing fire. He cannot turn into fire. It's just that his body has a crazy amount of endurance and is very tough. Uh, later on in the flashback, we see him literally blocking bullets. Like, a bunch of people come out of the woods, like Marines, to try to stop them. And they fire a bunch of shots. And King just, like, raises up his arm. And the bullets just hit his arm and then just fall to the ground. Like, they don't even, like, they don't even dent his skin. They don't even cause, like, a bruise or anything like that. But still... That's the thing. It's just like the government learns about Lunarian physiology and it's just like, ah, yes, they have a very high endurance factor. Hmm. Let's stress test this. Let's see how high of, a, of endurance they have. And so you can only just imagine the sheer torture they dealt to King while he was at Punk Hazard. They were probably thinking of like the worst things. It's just like, all right. You know, let's let's build a giant spike bed and then set him on that and then have another spike bed that's like two tons crush him. Let's see how well he, he endures that. Let's throw him in the blast furnace at like, you know, like 5,000 degrees and, and see how he deals with that, you know? And so uh, Kaido frees him and he's like, oh, okay, I understand why the government captured you. You're a Lunarian, huh? And then King at first is just like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, who are you? And he's like, oh... I'm just a pirate thinking about starting my own crew. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I like watching Kaido back when he was more motivated before he was just a drunk. You know, I wonder, actually, Kaido when he was at his most motivated versus Luffy right now. Because you could make the argument, well, Kaido is physically stronger now because he's had all those years to really perfect his devil fruit and everything like that. But he's not as motivated. He started getting motivated when he fought Luffy. He got, like, that spark back in him again. But I'm wondering how it would have went when, like, Kaido was, like, this Kaido in the flashback. You know, it's only been a few years after Rocks. And honestly, Kaido's story, I mean, he, he's really the protagonist of his own little... Like, you could do, like, a side story with Kaido as the protagonist. It, it works so well. Kaido was the apprentice on Rox's crew, so he was, like, the runt of the litter. He was the one that was, like, on the lowest rung of the ladder on Rox's crew. He was, like, the cabin boy, all right? He was, like, you know, Rox and Captain John and Shiki are getting drunk and throwing bottles everywhere, and then they're the ones that stumble, you know, he's like, hey, Kaido, clean this shit up. We're going to bed. You know, like, that's the kind of stuff Kaido had to do growing up. He was the apprentice, all right? And so then the Rocks crew gets broken apart. You know, Rocks purportedly dies at God Valley. And then Kaido gets captured a bunch of times so he can fill his stomach. And then he decides after a while, you know, while he's sitting in his cells and also undergoing a lot of torture, he's like, hmm, you know what? I think I'm going to start my own pirate crew. I also like to think while he was being imprisoned, he was thinking about the dynamic of his pirate crew, like how everything would be laid out. And he's like, mm, I need to have a theme. Yeah, all right, let's see here. Pirate theme. Uh, oh, I know. I like playing cards. Yeah, how about I lay out my crew like playing cards, like King and Queen and Jack. Yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds cool. Because like one of the first things he does 
after he frees uh, Albert and they're breaking out of Punk Hazard and they're beating all. There was like a really cool scene where the Marine snipers are like trying to like they're walking out of Punk Hazard and the snipers are way up there and they're just like, all right, we'll take him out. We'll we'll you know, like headshot him. And then they look through the scope of the rifle and then Kaido just glances at them and just boom, just shock of Conqueror's hockey and they both get knocked out. And then the Marines from the forest come out with the guns and King just dispatches them really quickly. And so Kaido's like, hey, I never got your name. And he's like, it's Albert. He's like, Albert, huh? You know what? You're really strong. You should go by King for now on. Yeah, King. That's the way my crew's going to be set up. We're going to find some dude named Queen and then some other guy named Jack. But you're King, you know? And he's like, okay. You know, and he just rolled with that. Also, at this point, they use, um, I don't remember the name of the OST, but they use the same OST that was used um, back during Sabaody when Rayleigh was remembering Roger. Um, in the anime, if you remember that scene where they're talking about, like, because that's r right where we find out that Roger was actually not captured by the government, but he turned himself in. And so Rayleigh was there drinking some whiskey, and he remembers Roger behind him, and he's reminiscing about the last words that Roger said to Rayleigh, which were, you know, you know, I won't die, partner. Like, even if they kill me, I won't die. And that same soundtrack plays here when Kaido and Albert are escaping Punk Hazard, and he gives him the name King, and then Albert kind of looks at him. Because you have to understand, we don't know much about Albert's life before he was captured by the government, but we understand this has, like, been his life ever since he was a little kid. We don't know the situation with Albert's parents. Maybe they were all captured as a family, and his parents were killed, or, you know, his parents had to abandon him because they got chased off or got captured when he was a little kid and he had to live his life on his own. And he was captured by the government a lot. And um, every single time, I, th I think it's also, honestly, some parallels to Robin here, where Robin was wanted by the world government from a young age. And even if she found a place that she thought was going to be safe, like not even bad people, like there were some bad people, like there was that old grandma that was like, oh yes, Robin, come and have uh, some cookies and tea. You can rest here. It's fine, dear. And then she immediately picked up the Den Den Mushy and was just like, yeah, she's here. She's here. Devil child, Nico Robin. You know what I mean? So like Robin ran away and she even found some nice people that were trying to help her. But at the end of the day, they ended up turning her into the government. I imagine it's something very similar with Albert, where a lot of times he thought that like, oh, okay, this is a tiny little village out in the middle of nowhere. Maybe I can be safe here. Maybe I can be accepted. And maybe for a little while it was okay. But as soon as everyone found out about like, oh, he's a Lunarian. You understand, the government is offering a 100 million berry reward just for information about King, about Albert. That is insane. That is not even like if you bring in Albert or a Lunarian. That is just information on them. That is how much the government wants the Lunarians. Okay? And we see that partially with Vegapunk's research, with the research in the Seraphim and all that, but also just because the Lunarians are closely connected to Marijuana and the Red Line, and, you know, if there were Lunarians around, I mean, if there was any tribe in One Piece that knew about the Void Century and knew about what the world government really did back then, during the war it would be the Lunarians and so it's like if there's any survivors you gotta you know capture them and bring them in right so King is extremely distrusting of anybody around him it doesn't matter who it is and so this is a very kind of cool moment where Albert is looking up at Kaido and Kaido is talking once again this is not this is not current drunk Kaido this is motivated Kaido in the prime of his youth 
And uh, motivated Kaido is just like, come with me. We can turn this world upside down and only I can do it. Yes. And then King is kind of looking at him just like, you know what? There's something about this guy. There's something about this dude. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can follow this guy, right? And uh, it, it's at that moment where uh, Kaido tells him, I, I will never sell you out. You join my crew. I'm never going to sell you out. I don't care about what the government wants. I don't care about how big the bounty is. Do not worry. I will nev I never sell you out. And he never does. Kaido, if nothing else, you got to understand he's at least honorable in that respect. He's a shitty father uh, to Yamato. But... At least he's honorable to his, like, uh, his, his uh, underlings, the people that work for him, and especially with King, who's, like, his right-hand man. And also parallels to that, where Luffy saves Zoro from being tortured, uh, starving to death, you know, on the cross back at, uh, back at Shellstown. You know, he's starving to death, and so Luffy saves him from that, and then he's like, hey, join my crew, and he's like, come with me, and then Zoro's like, okay, and then there you go. So very, very similar parallels there to Luffy and Zoro, and a little bit to Robin, I, I think, as well. So that was the flashback really really solid rendition of that flashback there um you know king and queen were imprisoned in the udon uh prison after wano was over and then aramaki defeated them uh so i don't really know if we're gonna get a lot more with them in the future but i would really love to learn more about uh specifically albert's backstory i mean learning more about the lunarians in general is like that's a that's like i think a guarantee like we're going to get that when we get the flashback with the void century we'll probably get a big backstory with the lunarians Narian tribe in general, but I really, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I want to learn more about Albert. I want to learn more about like his upbringing because it's one thing, it's it's one piece of the puzzle huh, to learn about the Lunarians as they lived at, you know, during the Void Century and as the world government cast them off of the Red Line and the strife and the struggle that they had to deal with then. But then it's another story to flash forward 800 years and be like, okay, this is what it's like for the survivors. There cannot be a lot of Lunarians left. I mean, King may in fact be the last, you know, biological Lunarian. There's the, there's the Seraphim, but those are like artificial created from his DNA, okay? So it's possible that Albert might be the last one. And so, like, that that alone is fascinating. Like, I want to know the story of, like, the last Lunarian and, and his struggle throughout life, you know, because we only know a small portion of it right now. It's just one of those things. A lot of stories about a lot of One Piece characters that are really fascinating that just Oda hasn't had a chance to flesh out, right? But anyway, back to the fight now. Uh, it, it's really important to set that up as establishing, though, because both of these characters are fighting to make their captains the king. And they are pretty close to that. I mean, it's not like Zoro's fighting some random dude from some random pirate crew that's like, my captain's gonna be king. It's like, no, no. Kaido has a good, solid shot at being king of the pirates from where he stands. Luffy also has a pretty solid shot at being king of the pirates from where he stands over here. So Zoro and King are both propping up their captains, and it's just like, no, Kaido will be the king of the pirates. No, sorry to tell you this, but Luffy's gonna be king of the pirates. And that motivation, that drive, that determination is on their faces and is displayed in full view with the art style, with the animation, with the, the way that the fights, they, they clash. There's that one scene where King brings down the sword. They, the fact that King is much taller than Zoro is also utilized really well, like the size difference there, where King takes his sword and like brings it down as an overhanded slice right on top of Zoro. And they hit the ground and this massive crater is created and just hockey is just spewing out like crazy. And I love that scene where it just shows the size and the power of King like barreling down this with this giant sword. And then Zoro 
has to use all three of his swords to kind of even, like, try to even push King's sword back. So they utilize that really well. Uh, King busts out that sword breaker again. I can't remember if that scene was in the manga where I know he uses it earlier, but I don't know if he uses it right at this point. But that was really cool if that was anime only because scene where, you know, he uses the sword breaker like last time and he tosses all the blades away but Zoro's like, oh no, I will not allow you to toss away these fine blades you know what I mean, and so he pushes it back there that was a really good shot, just the choreography, a lot of maybe maybe something like a final battle, like a Castlevania game you know, I think because in Castlevania at the end of season four, there was the scene where Trevor fights against death and they're on that floating platform in the middle of a giant typhoon and there's rocks and rubble that are just spewing around in this massive tornado and Trevor's like dancing around on the rocks. It's, it's like that here. And this isn't even, I have to reiterate, this is not even the final battle. K Kaido and Luffy is still going on, but this feels, they animated this like it's the final battle. They animated this like Zoro is the damn protagonist and this is the final battle of his entire story. And I love him for it. The, 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 grand, the grandioseness of this is impeccable. So you got giant rocks in the air and then Zoro's dancing around on the rocks and then King's up there. I mean, I mean, look at this. King is like a fire magma dragon god summoning these freaking things to just attack Zoro and Zoro has to jump through the rocks in the air, he's dodging, he's doing cartwheels and shit, he's slicing through the dragons, it ends with his extra large, you know, you know, Kanyudo, you know, and he just brings up this giant lava dragon that just gets sent at Zoro, and then Zoro uses Dragon Damnation, which is still one of the coolest names for an attack. I also like to think that Zoro planned that attack beforehand, like Zoro, while he was training, he was like thinking about the attack that he was going to use to kill Kaido, because Zoro really wanted to get the kill shot on Kaido. Kaido, right? So he's sitting there and he's thinking about all those cool attacks and he's like, all right, I think I'm going to call it Dragon Damnation. That's a cool one. So Zoro fights Kaido, but he doesn't manage to get to that point. And so he's like, oh man. So then he starts fighting King and he's like, well, King uses dragons. They're, they're fire magma dragons, but yeah, they're close enough. They're still counting as dragons. All right, I'll use Dragon Damnation on this guy instead. I didn't get a chance to use it against, um, didn't get a chance to use it against Kaido, but you know, here we, here we are now, right? Dragon Damnation against Kaido, would it have been more or less effective than Dead Man's Game? There's another question for you, right? Uh, oh, by the way, I also, okay. This has nothing to do with the episode. This is more of just the way that it, it was written, and uh, I don't know. I, I Okay. I'm not claiming to know that, like, I, I can write One Piece better than Oda. I'm just saying that there was one part of this arc, uh, specifically Zoro's story, that I think you could have rewritten to be, it would make way more sense, like, just canonically without getting stuff involved with, like, things that we didn't even know about. And that was how Zoro recovered from um, his battle with Kaido. So, like, I think Law said something like he broke, like, he broke, like, a crazy amount of bones. It was, like, in the double digits of how many bones that Zoro had broken in that fight with Kaido. And he was all cast up, you know, in the, in the cross joint and, you know, Sanji had to carry him around and everything like that. And um, I feel like instead of bringing up, and I, I think the mink medicine was foreshadowed a little bit beforehand, but instead of bringing up the mink medicine, it's like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, we have this magical medicine. We'll just inject it into Zoro and like all of his bones, I guess, will just heal. Uh, it'll really hurt him afterwards, but for right now, th this will work. And I, I felt like a way better way of doing this 
is utilizing Marco's uh, Flames of Rejuvenation because Marco was the one that was fighting against Queen and King individually. Uh, like, he was like, it was like two on one with Marco, and he was kind of like holding down the fort while Zoro and Sanji prepped for their individual fights, okay, to kind of take it from him. So, honestly, though, I thought this would have been perfect because let's say you could have Marco have some kind of ability that it's like, okay, I can use my Flames of Rejuvenation to heal any and all wounds on one person. But the downside of that is that's going to greatly drain my stamina, Marco's stamina, so he can't fight anymore. It's going to greatly drain my stamina, and it doesn't last forever. You are going to feel pain. So basically, the same—I'm okay with the mechanics of the medicine, but just the fact that, like, medicine exists in the One Piece world. Just, like, regular medicine that you can just inject into somebody, and it doesn't matter how banged up they are. Broken bones, muscle tears, broken limbs, it doesn't matter. He just— all right, let's fight! You know, like, that, fine, it's anime, but, like, th like having magical, mythical zone powers, that makes more sense. So, and also, it would have been so symbolic of Marco, like, passing the torch, literally, literally being like, you know, Zoro, you will be the one to defeat King. Marco, I am the first division. I was the right-hand man of Whitebeard, and uh, now I'm not anymore, and you are the right hand of Luffy, and he's going to be King of the Pirates, and I will use the last of my Flames of Rejuvenation. This will drain my stamina, so I won't be able to fight anymore after this, but it's okay, because because I'm leaving it to you, and then I'll give you this power, and then you can fight, and then after the fight's over, then it'll really hurt you, it'll be like kickback from the Flames of Rejuvenation using it in this capacity, but I believe in you, and so Marco's like, whoosh, and then here you go, and then Zoro gets up and goes fights, and Zoro, and then Marco just kind of like lays down, he's like, good luck to you, and then, because Marco doesn't really do anything else throughout the rest of the battle anyway, so I don't know, I don't know, that was just, that was a thing that always bugged me just by the fact, like, oh, we have medicine that can just cure your wounds, and it's like, okay, I, I feel like there's another better way you could have utilized that, but that's just me. That's just my headcanon or whatever. Okay. Uh, Zoro wins the fight. We have the big narrator come on, the big explanation of, like, you know, the winner of the fight. You know, the On top of the dome or on top of the island, King versus Zoro. Winner, Zoro. And then, boom. And then the, they even gave him a custom to-be-continued screen, which was awesome, with the Z behind to-be-continued, which is funny, for so many reasons. Um, number one, it's just funny because Z, as in that's his name, Zoro. Also, the fire, the aspect, because he's been fighting fire this entire time. And also, that is the calling card of Zoro, the original Zoro. You know, from the old school movies and teleplays and stuff like that, where it's like the mark of Zoro, and he would take his sword and cut a Z into somebody's fabric or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like his calling card. Okay, so they made a lot of references there, which is that in the background. So I love the the custom to be continued. That was really sweet. And finally, at, at the very end here, I wanted to throw something else out because remember, this was the last big fight Zoro had. Uh, was against King. Like, in the manga right now, Zoro fought against Kaku a little bit. Um, he fought against um, S-Hawk a little bit, Mihawk, Seraphim. But Zoro has yet to have uh, as much of a serious fight as he had with um, with with King here. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, the Marines are showing up, and, you know, if there's going to be, like, a full-on fight between S-Hawk and Zoro, maybe something like that might happen right here. Uh, maybe some other people might get involved. Who knows? But um, during this fight, Zoro was essentially deciding to, like, I'm just going to let, you know, Enma draw out as much hockey as it can, right? And so basically creating a, a, a timer, like a ticking clock element to Zoro fighting. So he's like, you know, I'm just going to let Enma take as much hockey as it can. I'm going full throttle, and it's either I defeat King 
or Enma kills me, like one or the other, you know what I mean? So, and but because Zoro is kind of imposing that restriction upon himself, he's kind of like putting his back against the wall. I wonder if that's how Zoro is going to use like his fighting style, like his three swords, three sword style in the future. Uh, whenever he's fighting against somebody, like just letting Enma take his hockey. So it's beneficial for Enma. It deals more damage, but also like Zoro's fighting because he knows like I have to finish this fight quickly because if I don't, I'm literally going to die. And so that's like literally that fighting on the edge. You know, Zoro's like fighting on this really thin like like a trip wire as he's like dancing over a chasm or whatever. And he's just like, okay, one wrong move and I'm gone. But um, that's the way he likes it, you know, to really motivate him to win. All right, so I, that's a really cool aspect, and I'm hoping that maybe in the future that's how Zoro would fight against, like, Shiryu or somebody. Like, all-or-nothing kind of style, right? So, yeah. Um, those are my thoughts on the episode. Re really solid episode. Go check it out if you haven't. Um, yeah, I'm always at the end of the day. Like, whenever talking about animation, I've, I'm trying to... I struggle to try to figure out, like, correct adjectives to use here. Like, it was phenomenal. It was amazing. It was bombastic. But at the end of the day, it's just go watch the... Go watch the episode. Go watch the animation. Anyway, uh, moving on now to uh, some really awesome urchin facts. Oh, yeah. This actually fits because uh, Zoro names a lot of his techniques after Japanese cuisine like onigiri. And uh, even King names his attacks after, you know, like certain types of food. And so today, correctly, we will be talking about sea urchins being used as food. Go to the intro. Urchin facts. Urchin facts, do do do. Urchin facts, do do do. All right, so yeah, sea urchins as food. You can eat them. Uh, they're very high in protein. They're high in omega three fatty acids. Uh, so yeah, they're completely edible. Now, some of them are uh, uh venomous, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, you can prick yourself with one of them, and you can get you know a sting and maybe like some uh, some venom in you. However, you don't actually eat the part of the uh, the sea urchin that's like spiny, and not all sea urchins are spiny. Remember that. However, all sea urchins are actually edible, even the ones that are venomous, because. There's only actually one part of the sea urchin that you're going to eat uh, that is actually used in sushi and food over in Japan mainly. It's a Japanese delicacy called uni and um, used in sushi and just, uh, sashimi and stuff. What part of the sea urchin do you think they use in the cooking? I'll let you guess. You know what? Just don't think too hard about it. It's not hard. All right. Yeah, it's the gonads. Yeah, it's the sex organs. Yeah, it's like, of course it is. Yeah, okay. So uh, they take the, the sex organs of the sea urchin and they cook that. You can eat it. You know, you can even eat it on top of the urchin like this. Um, they put it in sushi. It has a... I've, I've seen a bunch of words to describe what this tastes like. I've, I've heard um, creamy, custardy, delicate... Musky, uh, umami flavor, like the umami flavor, that, you know, okay, so it's, it's called the foie gras of the ocean is sea urchins, so you can dive down, find some sea urchins, and sell them, go to Japan and sell them for, I guess, a decent price, because they are the foie gras of the ocean, um, the ones found in the most, like, cold water regions are the meatiest, as it were, so take that whatever you will there. And um, to end it out, um, it also, I don't know if there's any 
thing to back this up. I, I assume there probably is not, but um, some people consider sea urchin meat uh, to be an aphrodisiac of sorts. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, sea urchins being used as food or uni. So, um, yeah, that's the fact of the day. Thanks for watching, everybody. This will be Teching signing out. Later, everyone. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.